Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. In today's world, chaos is the only certainty. Over the last several years, we have witnessed the impossible occur in global events. The need for families and individuals to not only survive, but to thrive is now greater than ever. Experts the world over have emphasized the importance of generating additional forms of income. In the technologically advanced world we live in today, what if there was a way that we can use technology-powered AI where we can have algorithms do the work for you? Well, thanks to Algo Factory, that is exactly what we did. We teach you not only to leverage the market and carve out profits in the chaos, but we show you how to have a better quality of life by creating your own custom algorithm that trades on your behalf 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All the while, you can continue with your day-to-day -day responsibilities, checking in when needed on your trades that is working for you. Many clients of Algo Factory have been able to fund their savings, go on dream vacations, and even quit their nine to five jobs. They have created more time for themselves and more time for their families, all through the power of advanced AI and their personal custom algorithm, Algo Factory. Trade your job, upgrade your life. Uh, I couldn't hear your intro, B. Hold on for a second. Oh, there you go. We oh, I'm, I'm an idiot, and I, of course, left myself on mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't done that in a live stream before. <laughs> I'm notorious for that, dude. I, I've I've uh, I've went live, and I talked literally for 20 minutes with the mute button on. <laughs> I can't hear you. Like, so oh, I've man. been there. I know exactly how you feel. So Exactly. But uh, folks, Tom is here. Uh, his website is. Um, if 
check with that. I think it's Bring That website, actually. Go, go to guns. Tom Wongo.me. He is the prolific one. He is here. He needs an introduction. And with that being said, Tom, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, B. How you been, man? Good. I mean, there's lots to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you got the Ukrainian crisis. You got the situation with the Fed. You have the idiots at the G7 meeting in Hiroshima. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't believe that was tone deaf at all. I believe that that was symbolism. I think yeah, that was them telling, telling, him, telling us exactly what awaits if we decide to say no to their great reset. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't miss that. I don't know about you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Christ. Where do you want to begin, Tom? Oh, uh, I think we should probably begin with where everybody is uh, worried right now, which is that ceiling crisis, yeah. quote unquote crisis, right? It's a, it's, a crisis. Um, it's a crisis because Janet Yellen and Joe Biden are creating one. And I think Speaker Kevin McCarthy actually told the truth the other day when talks broke down on Sunday saying, I just think these people want to default. And I, I don't and I, that's been my position, honestly, since the day after the Republicans were declared winners in the House, because yeah. then Janet Yellen started coming out and going, we're going to default in April. I mean, she, I mean, you know, like every day she was out there saying we're going to default and we need to you know, do what, deal with the debt ceiling. So she's been threatening us this with this for oh, six, eight months now, seven months now. So I'm not surprised at all that this is where we are, because these people are knew that they, in order to go where they needed to go, they would have to threaten the world with U.S. defaulting on their coupons, even though, you know, it's only now I think we just saw on Zero Hedge this morning that Biden is actually talking about maybe we should talk to department heads about shutting down part of, parts of the government like that. Like you should have been doing this three months ago, dudes, if you were this prepared for it. So, yeah. you know, well, he also says not to blame him. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, of course not. But, you know, Biden, like, you know, does he even know where he is? Like, does it matter? And that's another part of the story, which is this idea that, you know, we're ruled by these, you know, 90 somethings or 80 in Biden's case, 80 somethings and who are completely out of touch with reality. It's, it's, yeah. it's The picture here is for the rest of the world is the United States is descending into clown world and you shouldn't put your money there. Sure. Sure. That's the that's the that's the, the 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 situation that they've created for us, and it's not you know everybody's going, but that's that's dumb. Like, where are we going to leave our money in Europe? Really? Like, you know, did you see the uh, the German PMIs this morning? They were they were crazy. Was, the German manufacturing PMI came in at forty two point nine. Okay, forty two point nine, which was two and a half points of what over a point and a half lower than last month's. Great. Like. From the time from the time the Fed started raising interest rates, or at least threatening to raise interest rates, German manufacturing PMI has dropped from sixty three to forty two. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and yet somehow German debt is supposed to be trading at a point and a quarter premium to U.S. debt of the similar maturity, mm-hmm. with seven point two percent inflation, mm-hmm. and no hope of it going any lower because oil prices can't be pushed down below seventy five dollars a barrel. Right. Like, am I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I just fell off the financial turnip truck, but none of that sounds good for Europe. No, no none of it does. And yet, you know, right. it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I mean, they're doing all this crap, but it, it, it's when you look at Europe itself, the capital flight out of Europe is tremendous. The smart money right. flying out of Europe is tremendous. They're going yes. to not only North America, they're going to Central America, they're going to South America, they're going to the Middle East. They're going anywhere but Europe. Right. And, you know, 
how bad is how bad are things when you know people would rather go to South America I know. with their money? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, no offense to South Americans in the audience, but you know, thanks to the World Bank IMF, you know, mafia, like you guys haven't been the the picture of financial stability for the last fifty years. I know it's our fault, but right. still, like you know what I mean. Uh, so no, and and then the, op- the 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 obvious thing is you know where that money should flow would be preferentially into U.S. assets. And, you know, Powell's trying to make it as uh, attractive as possible to move your money into the U.S. as possible by raising interest rates and finally giving us, you know, positive real yields, at least on a forward basis. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not quite positive yet here in the, you know, in the U.S. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the, the two months and the three months rating of five and a half percent versus, quote unquote, four point nine percent inflation. But nobody believes that. And certainly core inflation is well above four point nine percent. So, you know. We're, we're, but we're getting closer to that. Meaning, meanwhile, we've got 7% inflation, nominal, probably much worse, and potential inflation in Europe that's back into the double digits the minute they have to start heating their houses again. Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, and they're still trading at these suppressed, these massively suppressed yields. Meanwhile, good, you know, meanwhile, supposedly high quality debt, like, I don't know, French long-term bonds are trading at 37 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So there are signs that the market is getting it, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, there are also signs that the market has no clue. I was I keep watching the SOFR futures curve because the Euro dollar futures curve is dead, and no one other than you know Jeff Snyder and a bunch of you know um, uh, um, feckless Eurocrat oligarchs are sad about that. But the SOFR futures curve or the Fed funds futures curve—they're basically the same thing. But I'm now looking at SOFR because it's the law of the land. Is still Sitting here, I could pull it up while I look at it. You know, it, it's finally beginning to look like, okay, we're going to get a rate hike in June. We may even pause in July, right? They're starting, it's, it's starting, you know, the inversion is starting to level off. And that's a good sign, actually, that the market is finally believing that the Fed put is dead. And as long as, you know, Powell's in charge. And this whole debt ceiling fight, I think, is nothing more than a attempt a crude attempt a very crude attempt to force powell to pivot or to set up a 2024 election cycle where the fed is front and center at a, as a talking point in order to bring it back under the fold of the u.s treasury i think that's what they're i think that's what their plan is i know it sounds crazy and, and insane that they would even consider that but it's the only thing that makes any sense to me from a policy perspective you know what i mean yeah. and from a long-term perspective here well what else are they going to do I mean, they can't, you, you can't fight the Fed. Well, unless you're the U.S. Treasury. Mm. Detail for us. I mean, right now, Yellen is running around. The, the football with clipped hair is what I call Yellen, right? Mm-hmm. He's running around screaming <laughs> about the debt ceiling. And- Not while I'm drinking. Like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. well, there's the interview's over. It's supposed to be this coffee all over the laptop. Oops. <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead. So, What's your what's your current take on what's happening between the Treasury, the Davos crowd, and then Powell, right. the Wall Street crowd? Yeah, I, I think that Yellen is 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 their. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, their their football one. Well, <laughs> that's what that's she is, crazy. man. That's She's hilarious. The Lyndon Baines Johnson of, of the oh, Fed. She's been in there forever. Oh my God, I know. Okay. So so my my, my current my my current take is this. And the current evolution of it is this. Let's go back to Silicon Valley Bank. And let's go back. So what what died? Everybody's screaming, oh, the regional banks are getting subsumed by all the big mega banks. Blah, blah, blah. I know. 
no, no, stop lighting your hair on fire. I already did. That's why I'm bald. Okay. Now I did that when I was in my thirties and it's gone. Now stop lighting your hair on fire, but all the regional banks that fail signature bank, Silicon Valley bank, first, uh, first Republic, all of them were San Francisco fed regulated crypto and, uh, and venture capital banks. Most of them were catering to the billionaire set for their third mortgage on their third mansion or their third yacht, getting giving them subprime loan, giving them sub market loans at like one or two percent for Mark Zuckerberg to uh, to, uh, to right. borrow against his Facebook shares. They weren't real banks, okay? They I, I have I have patrons who are private bankers, and they're like, oh, the California banks are a joke in the industry. Yeah. So they all fail. Because they all they all went all in on the idea that Powell would have to pivot. They were probably getting assurances from Washington that we've got this under control. The same reason BlackRock went all in on residential real estate here in the United States. Okay, wait, wait, yeah, you can see where I'm. I know where I know you would enjoy this, right? They all thought that they had this done, that they were going to be able to force Powell out, put in Lael Brainerd, keep us at the zero bound, inflate everything to the high heavens, and keep the whole euro the, the whole euro dollar, you know rinse and repeat cycle going in and high hypothecation cycle going indefinitely right. that has dramatically reversed itself and so the t the big tell here was that when first republic bank was failing right who, who turned out to be the other bidder other than jp morgan Ooh, I forgot. do you remember um, i know i know i'll tell you who it's a rhetorical question be i'll answer for yeah. you it was pnc backed okay. by apollo and BlackRock. Mm -hmm. Okay, so J.P. Morgan and the FDIC step in and go, no, you don't get that bank. J.P. Morgan gets that bank. That bank went from being regulated under Yellen's San Francisco Fed. Yep. To the New York Fed. Bingo. Okay, that's what happened to all that capital, and that's what's going to happen. That's what happened to Signature Bank. It's what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. Right. Because they're the the base the the rest of their assets were transferred to a bank in North Carolina. I don't remember the names off the top of my head, and a bank in New York, New York Community Bank or whatever. I have it all in my this this month's issue of the of the newsletter. I actually looked all this stuff up and I put it out. And I actually tweeted about this this morning to remind everybody. So what's happening here is that the Fed versus Davos is now turned into the New York Fed versus the San Francisco Fed, and it really does come down to Janet Yellen's term as setting for setting monetary policy over the last 20 years right. starting with her browbeating greenspan into putting the fed put in place in the first place post 9 11 is coming to an end okay right. she moved from being the failed sf bank president san francisco fed bank president to failing upwards to becoming fed chairman to now becoming treasury secretary, which is why Biden had to be put in office and Yellen had to be put in at treasury so that they could try to blunt Jerome Powell and undermine him and then install their, their, their gal, Lael Brainerd. Now, Yellen's going to leave the scene soon because yeah. Brainerd has been promised a promotion and to right. keep her on side, she's going to become the next treasury secretary and she's going to do the exact same thing. But do you think she's just... But, and this is the funny part about it. Like, Danielle Martino Booth brought this up the other day. She was in a, in a great interview she did with Blockworks. She said, you know, when Yellen ran the San Francisco Fed and she ran the Fed, you couldn't, no one knew her phone number because yeah. she didn't want to talk to anybody, right? right? She ran it like an autocrat. Now, all of a sudden, Janet Yellen is out there as the great communicator of monetary and fiscal policy. <laughs> Not of that, international <laughs> policy, too. 
and foreign policy. And have you noticed how that's like over like a lead balloon? Now she's out every week on the Sunday talk show circuit trying to explain to everybody why she's not lying about the, the Treasury general account drying up in 10 days, which is a lie. Right. The Fed is giving her $95 billion every month to issue new treasuries. And because remember, guys, this is one of the things people have to remember in practical terms. QE is deflationary because it signals to the market that there's no lending available. So the money that's created by the by the Treasury is put onto the Fed's balance sheet or the central bank's balance sheet. And the money doesn't flow. It's all been sterilized. Right. It just sits there creating interest that the Fed then gives back to the Treasury and then the Treasury spends it. And only a very small portion of the. Uh, the $5.2 trillion that are on the Fed's balance sheet kind of gets turned into M2 or M1, right? Mm-hmm. What? You know, whatever the whatever the, inter- the average interest rate is on that, okay? And that's what gets dumped in. So what, $50, $60 billion a year. Great. When you do QT, it's the exact opposite. When the Fed retires and, and doesn't roll over $95 billion worth of treasuries every month, what happens? The Treasury general account drops. The Fed's SOMA account rises because the treasury deposits the money into the Fed SOMA account at the, at the New York Fed. And then the Fed retires the debt and the, and the treasury retires the debt and the Fed turns around and destroys the money. Mm-hmm. So the Fed, so the SOMA account goes up and then it goes down. And there was a great, I read a great Fed paper on this explaining exactly what happens under QT, the debt ceiling, the, the debt, the, the, uh, the, the outstanding debt of the United States, the treasury general account and the SOMA account all drop by the amount of money that the Fed doesn't roll over. Yeah. Okay. It all drops. So now Yellen could turn around and issue $95 billion of new treasuries into the market. Yes, at current coupon rates. But, and then, the, and so it's that rollover that she doesn't want to deal with. Yeah, correct. And there is a, a so just so everybody's clear, uh, as per the last 8.4.1 report from the Fed, there's over $400 billion in U.S. Treasuries that will mature in the next 90 days on the Fed's balance sheet that will go away over the course of between 90 days and so three months and the rest of the next 12 months, there's another trillion dollars that comes off. So there's plenty of, this is why the Fed's QT policy is supposed to be around one to one and a half trillion dollars. They're going to get rid of all of these. They're just not going to reinvest all of these you know, sub one year um, treasuries that are maturing. And we're going to get rid of them. We're going to take them off the Fed's balance sheet. And then the um, and then the government can then, if they want, they can go ahead and spend that money up on, up to the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. And But that money would be inflationary because it would be high-powered money entering the system directly because they would issue new treasuries. There's plenty of bid for new treasuries on the market. You just have to be willing to you know what I mean? You just have to be willing to pay the coupon. She doesn't want to pay the coupon. She doesn't want to see that money flow in because that would be inflationary, which would then, which would then turn around. I just thought of this. Now, now, now it tells the Fed, oh, that we can raise interest rates even higher because all of this is now inflationary. Okay, it's both deflationary from one perspective, but it's inflationary from another perspective, right? right. It's deflationary from the point of the Fed's balance sheet. It removes leverage from the system because, but at the same time. Because it's going to raise interest rates, but at the same time, more M1 or M2 is going to is going to run into the system. But more M1 will run into the system. Whether it gets converted into M2 is a different story. So, you know, I, that's the Fed doesn't have any control over that, right? 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, so this is what we're dealing with here. And this is the what's behind the headlines of this fight. And I think I've got this all sussed out properly. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I'm, I'm, no, I I'm, mean, I'm, your, your data lines are perfectly with mine. I mean, you know, recently mm-hmm. you commented about Jamie Dimon's trip over to China. It, JPM's HQ, 270 um, um, Park Avenue is a, is a location mm-hmm. I've been to several times. I've been in that office. I've spoken to uh, for quite some time. Uh, the, I, I would say he's like the number three guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on the JPM side, and dude, it's so spooky how I, you know, was was detailing to the audience what Jamie's trip over there was about. Was hey, we're not done as a country, you know. Let's, you know, we're getting this this mess under control. Don't worry about the politicians. Watch what we do, okay? The 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 we have a seat at the table. We're gonna be here. We're just taking we're just taking out the trash right now. That was Jamie's entire trip to China. And you, and you and I have never talked on this matter before. And bang, no. your data says the same exact thing. Well, when I, I said, I, I said that I, when Diamond went over there, he's, he's negotiating terms of the divorce. He and Powell both. Powell's meeting with, with, uh, with the head of the PBFC today. I can never remember his, his name. I think it's Gong Yi. Um, is they're meeting today for the first time in, in what three years, and it's the 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 east west split is going to happen, but they're leaving. They're they're working out the terms of the divorce to allow capital to leak across the two systems that are being built. And the, Diamond has been very clear that we're not done as a country. Very yeah, clear about this. I mean, and 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 it's and it's 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 nigh on to ir- irresponsible, frankly, that good people, and I, I mean this sincerely. Good people like Whitney Webb, like Zero Hedge, like Martin Armstrong are going out there and throwing shade on Diamond over the connection to Epstein. That is a Davos freaking plant. Thank uh, you. Uh, completely. Thank Comple- you. From the day this came out and I saw Whitney Webb's article on, on Diamond, I'm like, Whitney, you do realize, of course, that the whole idea of the connection to Diamond and Epstein was put into your head by the CIA, MI6, and Davos? Are you not? Do you do you not understand that this is like like they just this is like the movie Inception? Like they created this idea in your in your subconscious, and then it filtered up to the surface, and you thought it was an original idea. I, I don't mean this, and I hate to throw shade on people that I respect. No, and I right. respect. no, I agree with you. The problem but, is the, the problem is a lot of these guys that are out there writing about this stuff have no they have no no uh, experience <laughs> in the banking industry, right? One right. thing I will tell you from being in banking is. You're going to rub elbows. If somebody who's a mafia don decides to plant 400 million in your bank, and then 20 years later he gets arrested and gets hauled off to jail, oh, so and so put money in 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 Tom and V's bank. Oh my God, they're they're culpable with the Gambino crime family. No, the guy had an account. What do you want me to do? <laughs> like at the end of the day, guys, this is the thing. Tracing connections is not journalism. No, it's not. Correlation does it's not mean causation. Causation, exactly. That's this is the this is the this is the problem here. It and 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 you know, I I, I it, it's scary. It, it bothers me to no end when Diamond is clearly signaling to everyone. Even like I can't tell you how many people I for I've been still chasing this down for weeks on end. When Diamond's end of uh you know JP uh, JP Morgan's annual uh, note to shareholders, and he said, "Oh, we have to do eminent domain in order to." And everybody focused in on solar panels and windmills, not pipelines. Right. Now, 
you is why you and I well know that the federal government owns like 58% or more of the states of New Mexico, Arizona, right. Utah. We got all these all these states with lots of sun. We don't need to do eminent domain to build solar solar farms in New Mexico. Right. You don't need them to do wind farms in, you know, the Rockies. No, you don't need those. You need eminent domain to run a pipeline across state lines and, and through people's backyards. That's what you need eminent domain for. That's what Diamond was saying. Diamond was literally saying pipelines. And he said pipelines is solar panels, windmills. That's a suck to Davos. That's a to keep them off his back. Remember, and you probably know this better than I do, but you know that there are people in J, in JP Morgan that are not loyal to Diamond. And if Davos is if Davos is going after Diamond in the courts, that's a big signal to the Mary Oh, not Mary Daly. I think it's, is it Mary Daly or all the rest of them who are obviously Davos right. within J.P. Morgan's organization that Diamond can't get rid of are just salivating. They're just licking their chops to get rid of this guy and take his place. They're being told that we're no, don't worry about Diamond. We're going to take care of him. Right. So Diamond is a guy who, for all of his power, of course, when you play at that level, he's not. You know, he's not ungettable. Right. Don't don't kid yourself. And so. These 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 adolescent narratives that are spun by frankly people with not enough experience to understand this stuff. Correct. It, it, you know, and I and I say this about, about Martin Armstrong, and Martin knows better. Yeah. And the, his like, tirades against Diamond recently have been really off the chain. I, I and think, uh, I, I think there's some whatever angst he has it doesn't make any sense, man. I think that some of this is he's I'll be honest with you. I think Martin, the tenor of all of his writing, including the private stuff, which I which I, I subscribe to. I think Martin is just very worried about World War Three. And I think it's starting to cloud all of his some of his analysis. And and look, dude, fair enough. Like I've I I've been in that state at times as well. I've written shit that I've gone back and looked at and gone, hmm. yeah. you know, I mean everybody does it. Like so I don't again, this is not attempting to throw shade on people. This is attempting to put their comments in context. Right. And put their, you know, where they are in their headspace and context. And I think for the, some of the younger people in this in this field who mean well, who have honest desire to do good work, are getting a little ahead of themselves. Right. And I, I, and I know this from my own personal experience. I've been in that position, and I've done this myself. I've overstated things, or I, you know, but again, I also don't call myself a journalist. Correct. I call myself a shit poster. <laughs> like at the end of the day, I schizo, I schizo post and let the ships fall where they may. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. And you know, you know, you're, you're trying to, and, but we have to be careful about chasing connections and not realizing that, you know, look, the price of doing business on wall street may be that you have to like rub elbows with, with, with Jeffrey. Yeah. What like, I can yourself. Like no one's clean in this world, and no one's accusing Jamie Diamond of being clean here either. No. Okay. I'm just his incentives, one and his thing, incentives line up nicely. One hundred percent. Same thing. That's one of the things I've been getting across to the audience. Is like, yeah, guys, you got to understand, this is not a Marvel movie. It's no, right. there's no good guys or bad guys here. It's like you got the Wall Street crowd, which are a lot of their stuff lines up with what we want. If you still want some freedom remaining as a country, you still want capital markets you want all these things that we enjoy hey you know what 80 percent of what they're putting out i like so right. versus the devil's crowd which it's, it's hell on earth 
it, 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 which is basically communism. It's you know, and, communism. It's and, it, it, and, it's, and it's Stalinism yep. versus Trotskyism. The, the remember the neocons that are pushing for more war, they're Trotskyites. And right. you know, part of what we're seeing today is you know, this old fight. I had Matt Arrett on my on my podcast, and I blew his mind when I said that. Really, this just this just turns down to the you know the neocons versus the old colonial Europeans is just you know Trotsky versus Stalin all over again. He just look, no. <laughs> Matt just like, holy Christ, that's good, dude. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is, because it's it's an idea for them. It's an ideological fight of who's going to direct Western policy if they win. The problem is. They're not going to win if they can't get rid of Powell and they can't get rid of Diamond and they can't get rid of. And this is why. And I, and I can't I, honestly, they can't get rid of Elon Musk. Musk running Twitter is a big deal, guys. You know, I look at this this hire by Linda, of by his of Linda Vaccarino, and I think to myself, I'm not worried about it. Me either. I'm not worried. I about look it. at it as that's a Davos. That's the evidence. That's as much you can make an e- equally. Equally plausible argument that this is Davos trying to put controls on Elon Musk as it is Vaccarino looking at Davos going going to Davos 2023 this year and going, well, this thing is clearly over and uh, I'm I'm out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she said she said some things to piss off the left and she said some things to piss off the right. And then uh, look, at the end of the day, who's really running Twitter? It's not the CEO. It's whoever has the majority shares. And who's that? And it's a private company. Elon. And it's a, it a private company. Like, he doesn't even like, like, at the end of the day, he's the shareholder. He's like, the shareholder. He's the, he's the majority shareholder. He runs the show. Right. So she does what he tells her to do. Yep. It's not that, it's just not that, not that difficult. What he, what her, her job is very simple. You tell the advertisers, don't worry about Twitter. Everything's going to be fine. And you don't listen to those. You don't, don't listen to those, those, those feckless assholes over in Europe. They, they don't have any power. We're destroying them. Because ESG does so well for American corporations. As an adopt, I mean, we see Bud and all these companies going down. Target's about to go down in flames. I mean, it's done so yep. well. You know, the advertisers right. are really loving ESG and Davos. Mm-hmm. Insane. But, um, I think you got your background music going. Did you hit something by mistake? I think I hit there it. it is. I think I did. There you go. I don't know how that Okay. That's we I both speak with our hands. Came from. I'm like, something must have popped up, you know? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. we uh, yeah, we both speak with our hands. So yeah. that's what, it what is. are you gonna hey. do? Yeah. Hey, I hey, go like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not only New Yorker. I'm an Italian. Like it's hey. you know, you you, you you bind my hands. My wife says all the time, you bind my hands together, and he turns mute. Like it's you know, so um, yeah, it's very hard to be a talking head when you know your head's like you do the bobblehead thing like Ron DeSantis did the other day. <laughs> oh my god, but. Which, which, by the way, really bothered me because it was very clearly a bad edit that, that made it look as bad as possible. And like, you know, not to say that you know DeSantis doesn't look like an idiot, like doing a bad Ronald Reagan impression or anything, but um, that's because that's what he was doing. But they cut it in such a way to make him look like you know he was just insane. It was clearly Ron's not ready for the world stage, and that's fine. I, I want him to stay here in Florida. That's fine. I don't need him to do any foreign policy. That's fine. Um, so. I think this, so again, going back to the debt ceiling thing, it really is kind of their raise on debt or not their raise on they're, they're kind of, this is their dividing line. This is their dividing line. If they lose this fight over the debt ceiling, then Diamond and company will have, you know, will have all the political momentum coming into 2024. Yep. Um, and if they lose, well, then it's the end of the United States and start bracing for impact. And, um, and the, it's the same thing going on in over in Ukraine. They're, both of these things are coming together at, the same time and um 
you know, I remain skeptical of Russia's ability to do what I think they need to do, which is to take Odessa, but only because they haven't shown me the capability of doing it. This is not to say that they are incapable of it. I'm just reserving judgment and being skeptical because I haven't seen it yet. I want to see them break the line open now that they've taken Bakhmut. Um, and then once the mud dries, then if they start doing maneuver warfare again, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting thing because they're setting up yeah. a, a move to Odessa. Yeah. Um, and of course, the United States and Zelensky are moving around saying, okay, well, we're going to put F-16s in theater. You know, I'm like, well, by the way, those pilots have already been trained and those planes were already in theater. FYI, when you announce that you're sending the sending something there, that means they've already been there for six months and are ready to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the reality on that. And Armstrong made a good point saying those F-16s are not to defend Ukrainian troops on the ground in the Donbass. That's clearly not the case because the Russians will just shoot them out of the sky. It's about trying and take Crimea because if they do, if they try to do that then the Russians will consider that a NATO attack on Russia and it's World War III. Yeah. And that's the escalation. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm Martin Armstrong, I'm pretty worried about that. And that could, like, you know, I can get histrionic about other things that aren't, you know, aren't, quote unquote, aren't as important. So yeah. I, I get it. You yeah, know, that's, so like, yeah, that's one of the things that, that's the wild card in this whole entire thing. We've got mm-hmm. this internal war in the financial sense you and I have been tracking the other aspect is the wild card, these maniacs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. You have the Durham report come out. You and I both know no one's going to go to jail. <laughs> no one's going to go to jail. Not until, is, not, not until the walls around Hillary Clinton are finally broken down. Exactly. Okay. I mean, I don't know about you, Tom, but I don't mm-hmm. have 56 friends who've committed suicide. I don't know about you. I don't know anybody who has 56 friends who all committed suicide. I don't God, you know, I'm just not, you know, I, I'm not that one one. I'm just not that popular guy that I have 56 friends. So <laughs> just saying, like, you know, on a good day, I can have six, you know, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I agree. It's, 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 it is, it's hard. It, it's, it beggars belief. It's a little, it's a little statistically anomalous. Just saying, it's a little six sigma in my mind, you know. It's a, but yeah, okay. So, um, but I, I think that this is one of those things that Diamond is alluding to. Very, I mean, look, that's the 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 the, the speech I saw on Bloomberg. The ex- excerpt from the speech he just gave. Um, we should prepare for higher interest rates. Yeah. We should prepare for. You know, I'm not saying this because, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you should prepare for it, like. Yeah, you should. Yeah, no, it's going to happen. Like this is what's coming. But you know, but it comes down to. But I think what he's saying, and when he says, "I don't know if it's going to happen or not," is, "Look, are we going to, you know, are are we going to be comfortable with the oil price at this price range, and give up other things in the process? Because if we if we stabilize oil in the seventies, it stays roughly in the seventies or maybe in the low eighties, and doesn't go to one hundred and fifty as the oil markets get tighter and tighter and tighter." then they can keep a lid on inflation going forward, right? And, you know, credits being contracted around the world, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so all of that is going to, you know, they can, we can work on that. But we also have to then give up on the idea that we're not allowed to drill, that we're not allowed to put out new 
you know, new sources of, of, we're not allowed to go for new oil, new sources of oil or, you know, new refineries, blah, 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 blah. Like we need to be rational and start talking about, we're going to allow industrial production, uh, you know, the investment in, in industrial capacity again, you know, not just in, you know, places outside of the U.S.'s control, but in the West's control, but everywhere else. And this goes back to, you know, what's happened, the deindustrialization of, of Germany, right? And, you know, but at the same time, we're starting to see the reonshoring of capital here in the in manufacturing here in the United States. Apple just had a big uh, announcement today that they're, um, you know, they're going to buy 5G modems from Broadcom. And uh, oh, yeah, TSMC is. Broadcom thing was working for a while. Apple yeah, yeah. buy Broadcom. What's that? Apple uh, Apple should. Apple should just go ahead and buy like four or five countries and be done with it, like because they have more money because they have more money in the bank than most countries do. Like they're right now, what they're sitting on what two hundred ninety, three hundred billion in cash, something like that. Some some ridiculous. Yeah, it 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 is. And when you look at the foreign, I mean, it's it's bigger than the foreign exchange reserves of like two thirds of the countries on the planet. And they're sitting on. I mean, even the Russians only have six hundred billion dollars. You know, and they can't even put their their hands on half of it because it's been stolen. It was stolen by the EU and the US. So even the Russians only have three hundred billion dollars, and they have a fourteen billion dollar a month trade surplus. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, so yeah, it's an insane amount of money that the that that Apple has. So, um, but it's not just that. It's like you know, TSMC is moving into what uh, uh, to to either Arizona or Texas. You know, like a lot of stuff is happening on that front, and we have to. You know, we have to get rid of these Biden vandals uh, it's, and and we at least have to neuter them and they can sit there and they can play this game, you know. But at the end of the day, the pick, pivotal figure here is going to be Chuck Schumer. At some point, oh, Schumer God. is going Schumer is going to have to accept the fact that he's going to have to bring the House bill to a vote. Yeah. And when that happens, he's going to be I think he's going to be very he, the reason he won't bring it to a vote because he knows he doesn't have the votes to, to, to stop it. Because there's enough senators that want to pass this and push it up to, to Biden, they can then say that they you know, didn't vote for you know shutting down the government. Because if look, if if Schumer had the votes to kill this thing, i.e., he had Romney, Murkowski, and Collins, it would have been done lined up to over to overcome Cinema and Mansion. Well, then you know this thing would have already been gone to Biden, been vetoed, and then sent back to the House. Correct. But it, it's not. He doesn't have the votes. Correct. And th- this is a tricky situation. We have all this conflict. We have all this happening. And the main concern is, would these idiots blow the entire thing up in a thermonuclear war just so they don't have to be in handcuffs? That crazy part. That's the wild card part of it. It is. It is. It is out there. It, it, it's also the the will. Are they willing to blow up the world in order to remain in power? I think is the bigger question, yeah. because you know. I think that that's where they go. It's not that they wind up in handcuffs, because the truth of the matter is, is that. You know, why do you think Emmanuel Macron is acting the way he is? Hmm. Because he's like three steps away from the guillotine at this point. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, why is Georgia Maloney acting the way she is? Because she's caught between a rock and a hard place. She has to choose between e- the EU commies and the um, and the U.S. British neocons. Right. And the overly militaristic, which is why she's nominally supporting Ukraine, like in her rhetoric, but. They didn't send a working artillery gun yeah. to the Ukrainians. They sent 14 guns. One of them worked. Sorry. So I, I amend that statement. One out of 14 worked. So it's not that it's not that the state of the Italian military is so deplorable because it's not because it's basically an extension of the American military. It's the fact that Maloney is trying to outlast the EU 
in negotiations over her her future policy, which is she's hoping that the war effectively ends, the EU gives up on all this stuff, and the the neocons and 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 U.S. policy changes to the point where the neocons are moved out of power, and then she can declare Italy effectively independent and break the European Union. That's what she wants to do, but she's not in a political position to do so. Because if anybody thinks the U.S. deep state is powerful, well, you ain't got nothing over on the Italians because we kind of created the thing, the idea back in the 15th century. Yeah. So, you know, get over your, so get over yourself, folks. We Italians understand these things. Yeah. So. (laughs) It is what it is. So that's the way I'm looking at a lot of this stuff right now. And, and, and it's all, they're all, all of these things are tied together in this kind of big, you know, I, I sadly to say circle jerk. Um, and it all winds up being, you know, and none of it wants to resolve. Well, it all wants to resolve, but a lot of people are just refusing to allow any of these things to resolve. Right. And it's that anxiety over these, these issues, not resolving clearly draining everybody of their, of their, um, of their vitality. Right, it's, it's it's weighing on me, dude. I'm like, oh, I'm dude. back to like, I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm back to like playing the guitar two hours a day, and like, you know, and 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 looking at looking at musical equipment again because I'm like, well, fuck a whole lot of this. I was listening to Animals this morning, uh, Pink Floyd's Animals, and I got to Pigs on the Wing Part Two, and I burst into tears. Yeah, yeah. Like I burst into tears over a G and a C chord. Like I I couldn't believe it, and I was like, holy Christ, how much stress am I actually under from this crap? Because it just it, it, it is, and people don't realize my that, man. It's like you know, I'm sitting there with some with, with my smart guys, and we're sitting around a table, and these, some of these guys run hedge funds and whatnot, and we're all sitting around like, I have we have no data for 2025, guys. How does that feel? <laughs> you know? and, I'm, and I'm sitting with my buddy Velas. We're having dinner, and Velas is a, a, a very well decorated individual, some serious bona fides, and we're both. And he looks at me, do, V. Do you think the chessboard is broken? And, I, and my eyes just went like wide, like this was like, holy shit, maybe you're right. I'm so stressed out. It's all this anxiety, like you said. It's, it's, it wants to resolve, but there's so much back pressure from so many yep. angles. It's yeah, they just so keep, they just, they just keep adding, they just keep stacking flat on the cord, and the cord just keeps getting more and more and more discordant until the point where, I, dude, Fuck you! Resolve to the one chord. Will you please just get over yourselves? And they refuse to do it. No, exactly. They refuse to do it. And I'm like, and to, to blow your friend's mind, you got to remember, it's not that the chessboard is broken; is that it was never a chessboard. It was always a go board. Mm. And it's a multiplayer go board is the problem. So it's not even a game you can model. Right. right. You've got to you've got to really sit down and like you've you and I talked about this before. You really got to sit down and model this like a game of diplomacy or Matt Gertz's Imperial, which takes a lot less time and and ruins a lot a lot fewer friendships <laughs> uh, because it only takes two and a half hours, but it's just as evil. It's one of the greatest games ever ever made. It's it's World War One, and you're all war bond profiteer. You're all war you're all uh, war bond investors, and the war bond investors get to decide which how the countries act because the because the players don't take turns, the countries take turns. Correct. Okay, so it's like it's a mashup of a of in gaming terms of uh, of a dry German euro and an 18xx rail uh, railway stock game, and um, like 1830, 1846. Um, these are 
in, in gaming terms, people who are game board gamers will know exactly what I'm talking about, but right. um, it's a, it's a brilliant game for kind of modeling this into watching human behavior around the table as we all turn into friggin' war profiteer psychopaths, um, <laughs> you know, create, building armies and then throwing them at each other in order to not have to pay their salaries and the tax and, and, and pay the taxes to pay the salaries and then to, to, to retain all the profit for ourselves and they get paid out. And, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Uh, it, it is actually truly a, one of those, it's one of those games that if I taught high school, um, civics, yeah. Like social studies, I would make my seniors play. It would be a game that would be a game we would make them play. And which and, game is um, specifically? Yeah, it's called Imperial. Imperial, okay. Imperial by Matt Gertz. Matt so, all right, look, I'll I'm put it in get, the chat. I'm trying to get into board gaming like you. You told me Dune. I got to pick it up. I I saw it. Uh, you want? I'll start at Dune because. Uh, oh, Dune! Dune is actually far more complicated. I would actually start with Imperial. Imperial? I'll go with Imperial. I, Imperial, you get five guys together. You don't necessarily need six, so it is best at six. Five or six people. And I'd start with Imperial. And there's a new game out called Hegemony. I heard it. Okay, Hegemony is hilarious. I played it for the first time the other night. It's good. Yeah. It's good, but it's not great. Okay. okay? It. But it is fun. I got to play the capitalist. My friend, the communist, got to play the state. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, there's four players. Is the And it goes, and basically, it from the most capitalist to the least capitalist. So the capitalist, the middle class, the working class, and uh, the state. And really, it's best with three or four players, te technically four. You can only play it with four. And so everybody's buying. And, and I mean, let me put it to you this way. I manipulated um, the me and the middle class, because we're both hardcore philosophically libertarians, manipulated the board state in such a way that we forced the state to go bankrupt from taking out too many IMF loans. And the IMF had to come in on the last, literally the turn before the, uh, on the last round of the game and, um, you know, come in and do their thing, which was like a neoliberal. And it's, and the capitalists are played as if you're a bunch of neoliberal shitbags. So it, it's it, not capitalism. It is a good game though. I will give them. I heard. I yeah. Heard. It's very good. Yeah. There it is. It's very, very good. Contemporary nation and asymmetric political economic game. That's pretty yeah. insane, man. It is pretty good. Um, I think it is very good. I don't know that it's as good as Imperial. I think Imperial's got bet. I think there are, I don't know. I have to play it three or four more times, but it is very, very good. Um, and, uh, and it's not particularly hard to teach to learn how to play. You just learn how to play where you're not even learning how to play the capitalists as opposed to the middle class as opposed to whomever. But when you start looking at, when you start really thinking about who it is that you are um, and you, and you really want to get like ugly in your, um, and explore the depths of your your lack of humanity. You have to play Imperial. You have to play Imperial. Um, so or Imperial twenty thirty, which is the sequel. But basically, just play Imperial. They're both very good. Definitely gotta try it. I, I, and it's a hard and, and Imperial is a hard game with my group to get to the table because no one likes those because there are very few people in my group that like those games, um, those types of games. But they like Hegemony, so like, dude, like if you're willing to play Hegemony, let's play Imperial. It's better. Gotcha. Because it is. It is. Gotcha. It's Imperial is one of my twenty Desert Island games. That's how Got important it. it is. Wow. Okay. If I had to, if I had to cut my collection down to twenty games, Imperial would be on the list. Hegemony would not be. Um, Imperial would be on the list. Dune would be on the list. Uh, there's a few. I mean, I could go through the whole thing, but it's not important. Um, these are the games that I would, I, I, I would, I start with before I go anywhere else um, because they are. There's another great game called. And I, I've only had a chance to play once, but it's definitely one in this in this route. 
where it's um, it's called sidereal confluence. It's a uh, it's a pure trading and engine building game, and it's about build. It's a it's about nine alien races trying to trade profitably amongst themselves to become the most enlightened capitalists. Like it doesn't even it doesn't even truck with the whole state or any of that. It's no. This is this is a reinforcement idea that every trade is a win win depending on your point of view. And it's a highly asymmetric game in terms of the way each of the races play, because they all have different um, ways they break the rules and the way they um, and the way they interact with the resources that are out there. They're good at producing the things they're not good at. They're good at producing the things they don't need, and so they have to trade for the things they need. It's the basic idea of the way the game is designed. And so it forces that onto all the players, and then all of these different personality types come out as the, you play those particular uh, players and it seats from four to nine people. It's freaking crazy. I'd love to get a nine player game of it together. Once they knew how to play it really well, you got to play like four or five training games of something like that. Definitely an event game. So only takes time, about next time I'm in Florida, I'm coming by. Oh, if you do, dude, if you come down, like you just be around for Wednesday night gaming. Okay. Cause we do a Wednesday night or we do um, every, every third Saturday we start at 12 and we go until they kick us out. Nice. We play for 11, 12 hours for at a time and, you know, try and get big games in that take four or five hours to play. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. More than welcome. No, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring some Lombardi's pizza, bro, from New York. That'd be good. I, <laughs> you know, I haven't, I haven't had a decent piece of pizza in years. Yeah. Um, I have one in my hometown that's not bad. The guy is a transplant from New York, but you just can't bake really good bread here in, in Florida. That's the problem. It's too much humidity. Yeah. So, absolutely. Tom. Your take. We're getting close to 2024 mm -hmm. elections. Oh. Lots of tension. Lots wow. of angles. Lots of players. What do you think is going to happen? God, I don't know. If you, were like, to game, I, I, if you were to game this out. They're going to steal the election. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to allow um, the populace to take over. But the big problem here is I think the debt ceiling fight tells you where we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Like, as, you, as you as you as you as you alluded to earlier, B, you were a very astute comment on your part about Diamond. We're cleaning this mess up. Yeah. The question is, are they cleaning it up fast enough? Fast enough. That's the problem. Yeah. And we they and Davos and company know that they're being cleaned up, so they're pushing even harder right. to accelerate the timetable. So now, where are we? And this is. This is the thing. So the Fed can only break things, can only keep raising interest rates and doing QT until they break things. And yes, they're going to break things. And some of those things that they break are things that need to be broken. Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic Bank, the San Francisco Fed, frankly, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Department, the, 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 F, the, 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 the FBI, all of these people, they're all being outed slowly. None of them are, quote unquote, going to go to jail. But maybe they will. And I'm not saying that because I'm being a Pollyanna here. We can see the counter-revolutionary forces. They are very powerful players. And there are mineral folders being slapped down at everybody's desk. Yeah. And why do you think they're trying to tar the diamond with the Epstein stuff? Like, this is clearly, it's no different than what they did to Matteo Salvini and... Um, in Italy, after over the migrant stuff, or Berlusconi all those years ago about you know, you know whatever he did, like this is the way this stuff works. Nuts and sluts is always the way 
they they try to go after somebody they don't have any other real dirt on who, or who has too much dirt on them in other areas. They tried it on Donald Trump. It failed miserably because he's Donald Trump. Right. So I don't have a good handicap here. I think that we I think that we'll have better clarity when we get into August after the debt ceiling has been resolved and who wins that fight and what allegiances are revealed by that fight and what you know, I, I think that's where we have to go. I think this is part of that. What's not resolved to the, even if it doesn't resolve to the one court, it resolves to the four before it goes to the one court, you know, then that'll be okay. But right now we're sitting here with this like sus four, add 13, add sharp 13 thing. That's like out there. It's like, so it's like we're sitting with the, the Hendrix court from uh, purple haze and it needs to resolve to that, to an E and it won't do it. You know what I mean? And like, that's where we are. And once it does, once one of these things starts to resolve, and I think the Russians are going to push in Ukraine, that might be one of the things that they do. Right. So that may be one of the catalysts. We're looking for the catalyst. The ECB is desperately hanging on to Deutsche Bank and this, that, and everything else. Look, oh, the, yeah. the, 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 the non-resolution of, of, uh, of Credit Suisse. Look what they did with the Credit Suisse UBS mashup the other day. <laughs> No, it's interesting. Somebody, one of my people, one of my one of my people said, you know, it's a very interesting thing. Like, I think they may have just announced the whole UBS Credit Suite mashup in order to clean up uh, clean up Credit Suisse's balance sheet, kill off the Coke AT1 cocoa bonds and all of that stuff, and then have everybody go. Well, that was clearly illegal. Like, okay, well that's fine. Credit Suisse can go back to being Credit Suisse, but their balance sheet's been cleaned up. UBS doesn't take on the risk, and and it's it was kind of a it was kind of resolving the bad parts without actually resolving anything, and everybody kind of got their cookie except for the AT1 cocoa bond holders, which was yep. the big deal. Was the big deal. deal. Was the huge? It was a good deal. deal. That was a good. That was a good deal. That was a good thing. Yes, because those things are evil in the extreme. Yeah, they because they're the they're the mechanism by which the commercial what's left of the commercial banking system in europe will be rolled into the central banks and then the central banks will be rolled into the ecb that Bingo. is the, that Bingo is the case greased the way for that to happen that that yeah. that's how you eventually get uh cbdc's yes agreed that's how they're gonna that's how they were gonna roll up their retail cbdc's i wrote a big article about that when this happened um credit suisse the uh, coca bonds and you know i don't know i i i, I this look up the, the Credit Suisse article I wrote back in March on this subject. And when I saw it all, I was like, oh, I don't know if you've I've spoken about that. Um, no. But uh, I did write about that uh, directly. And I, I laid out the whole argument directly. So cool. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad you and I are on the same boat, on the same, the same page about that. It's scary. It is. But it's, it's also, but again, it was, it, but the Credit Suisse resolution was a main was a means by which to stop that from happening it destroyed the validity of the idea of perpetual bonds as a solution to europe's problems which is all george soros has been screaming about for 15 years right destroyed and, 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 that idea and, and uh, who was instrumental in that whole credit suisse debate when that when credit suisse that that whole thing was was happening right wasn't it jay powell it was instrumental in that whole entire ordeal, putting a sock directly down the throat of Davos with that. Yes, because and the key to the key to, to that was that and Zero Hedge wrote the article. It's in my article. I, I found it. Well, Zero Hedge wrote the article the next morning. Said after the after that was um, um, uh, resolved, right? It was resolved on a Sunday, Monday morning, where we wake up and Credit Suisse is now it's been owned by UBS. And I said, Zero has mentioned it. They said, and the ECB. 
and the European Union were not consulted on this at, at all. all. They woke at up all. and all of a sudden it, was, it done. was done. And guess who was instrumental in that? Who was Jay Powell talking to during all Jamie that? Jamie Diamond. The Bundesbank. Oh, that's right. The Bundesbank. Right, right. Right, because the and I when I mentioned this to Pascal Nachati, which is an interesting angle when you think about it, right? Yes, because when I mentioned all this to Pascal Nachati when I had him the last time I had him on my podcast about something completely different, um, Swiss banker, very 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 big player in, in in Swiss politics, he said, "Well, you know, come on, Tom. The we all know that the SNB, the Swiss National Bank, is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Bundesbank." And he was like, he was just like wanting to dismiss it. He didn't want to talk about it. I said, "But Pascal, they didn't." Consult the ECB or the or the EU on this, and he stopped, and he, he almost dropped a cigarette. Because the gravity like, of that, and the gravity of it hit him like a ton of bricks, and he's like, "I will have to review this." Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It was awesome. It was a great moment. It really was. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, all of a sudden, he his he got like happier, yeah. because he could see that okay. This is this okay. This is sincere. So Powell went behind Yellen's back, went behind Lagarde's back, went behind all of their backs. Went to the, went directly to the Bundesbank. Remember, they got remember remember right after the German government, um, the new German government was put in place. Who all of a sudden retired from the Bundesbank a year early? Jens Weidmann, who was one of the last hawks left in the European Central Bank. Yeah. Now he was a guy who was never ha- down with Target Two. He was never down with any of Draghi's nonsense. He was all for late- letting Greece leave the euro. Yeah. Yeah. Weidman was like, "That's enough of this. Let's get out." The Bundesbank is angry. They are. So, they're, <laughs> they're very nationalist leaning. They understand that yeah. they're what Germany's doing right now. They're blow- they're blowing off their head to spite their nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. That's just crazy, dude. It's so I look at this and I'm like, okay, yeah, a lot of very powerful people are all lining up and going, you know what? No, you can't have that asset either. Did Did you realize? I don't know if you when we so when I when I mentioned the San Francisco versus uh, New York thing earlier, do you you understand the whole BlackRock CFI thing? Do you understand that CFI the SIFI CFI thing? No, I don't. Okay, so. For years, BlackRock is. I wrote an, again. Wrote another big article about this. So, BlackRock has resisted becoming a CP for years because we're like, well, we don't use any leverage, so we're not really a bank. So there should be no reason why, under Dodd Frank, we should be we should be cla- uh, uh, classified as a CP. Mm-hmm. Yellen and and um, Elizabeth Warren have toyed with this for years, but mostly it's to put it into the press so that BlackRock can defend it and blah blah blah. blah. All of a sudden, about really quick for those that don't know what a CFI is, a strategically uh, important financial systemically important financial institution, right? Under Dodd Frank, what a C, what CFI does, and Jim Rickards has, has talked about this. What the CFI definition does, which as a trade off for greater regulation under Dodd Frank and by the Treasury Department, your your bank will be taken over by the government, and you know, and, and your responsibilities will go away. Yeah. And they'll and they'll work out the wind down for you. Right. Now, BlackRock for years didn't want to be a CFI, but all of a sudden Yellen's out there when you know Silicon Valley Bank blows up. All of a sudden Yellen's like, we need to make BlackRock a CFI again. <laughs> and Larry Fink isn't isn't out there screaming about it. 
<laughs> so now think about First Republic Bank. Yeah. BlackRock and Apollo Group, a private equity firm and an asset manager. We're, are, are, we're working with a, a super regional like PNC to buy First Republic Bank to then merge all their assets into a big, a big enough bank to be classified as a CFI. Mm. So that BlackRock, when they go under because of their duration risk that they've got on their balance sheet, because they went out and bought all of this crap, this, this, this commercial and, and residential real estate at the zero bound, bet the farm on, on Powell never being able to raise interest rates and sitting on only $38 billion worth of investor uh, of shareholder equity, regardless, forget the amount of assets they have under, under, under management. It's None totally of that matters. Not, totally all that is, is, all that tells you, all that tells you is what the revenue stream is. Right. That's it. They have $38 billion worth of, of shareholder equity. They have also, by the way, $33 billion worth of goodwill and intangibles on their balance sheet. Mm -hmm. So if you strip that out, they have $5 billion worth of, worth of shareholder equity. And then they have this other line item of other liabilities that has. Tom? Tom, your feed. So BlackRock is most likely in a. Tom, you, you cut off yeah. for like 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Let me go back. So, yeah, I'm on Starlink, so it happens. Okay, Five so let me back up. So, yeah. so they have. So if you strip out goodwill and intangibles off of BlackRock's balance sheet, which I like to do whenever I just like want to get a real health of the com company from an operations standpoint perspective, they have five billion dollars with the shareholder equity. It, there may be value there, okay? Especially in a company like BlackRock, there may be some value there. But then they have another li line item is called other liabilities, which is a negative number, which is probably their net. Um, derivative position, their hedge position, and that's and that fluctuates wildly. It's all over the place, but it dwarfs the amount of assets they actually have on their balance sheet. It's actually adding back to their balance sheet. So they may even be in a negative shareholder equity position if the value of those hedges blow up or those derivatives blow up. So now, let's think about this. What happened last summer in Britain? The pension funds blew up. Correct. BlackRock, That's right. BlackRock owned. They owned a whole bunch of BlackRock CLO funds, and BlackRock refused to negotiate with them whatsoever, and forced the Bank of England to bail out the state pension funds. Correct. If you want, if you were an evil oligarch and you wanted to nationalize the pension systems in the United States, and you've forced all of these pension funds and all of these insurance companies into levered assets under management by BlackRock, who controlled the board. And BlackRock right now is sitting there like, um, you know, like a, a, a like a, um, got his ass hanging out in the wind, right? Yeah. Without, you know, and hanging over a ledge with his ass out in the wind and no rope. Right. Because they've got no balance sheet, presumably, just looking at their numbers. And... Um, Interest rates are moving against them completely. So if you were about to go bankrupt, would you not want to become a CFI? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in order to get the government bailout funds? Yeah. And then since your assets are the things undergirding a couple of trillion dollars worth of pension funds out there, yeah, wouldn't you use that as blackmail? It is 100% blackmail, yeah. 
to do to do this and then and say okay and then for Yellen to then turn around and go well the only way we can bail all this stuff out is we have to nationalize your 401ks which is what they're trying to do bingo yeah sick so tie that to them putting a full clamp down on the media voices by getting rid of Tucker Carlson going through all of the major um going through all of the major um, uh, media companies and firing Nate Silver, same day, Nate Silver, Don Lemon, Tucker Carlson, yada, yada, go through the list. They went through all of them. Soros had to spend $400 million and bail out Vice News and buy it in order to have a, to have a, um, uh, a globalism amplifier, a woke amplifier continue through. The, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They, they, get to play, they get to play the game on Twitter. To keep the, the to keep the shit libs on side, so for the for the election, but they are moving to consolidate media, right, in order to speak with one voice. Coming into the election, coming into the the fall, where they're going to turn in Martin Armstrong's the way Martin Armstrong is reading it to turn Biden into a war president. God help us. and and shut everything else down. And during the crisis that they're engendering over the debt ceiling. They wanted to make BlackRock a CFI in order to like pull the whole. I, I told you earlier, they were accelerating everything. If you look at all of these pieces to their puzzle, mm. this all speaks to an acceleration so that we, so the 2024 election is irrelevant. This is why they threatened the 14th Amendment, dude. The 14th Amendment was nothing more than an attack on the separation of powers here in the United States by giving, by, by literally saying the executive has the right to spend money that Congress is uh, to, to appropriate money and and issue debt to 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 uh, to to do with spending, which is complete nonsense. Congress has that authority. Correct. But, right. Period. Congress appropriates the, the and, and 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 the executive spends, and if the Congress says don't spend. Well, then you don't get to spend. And so, this is what these people are playing for. They are trying to destroy. I, I've been screaming this from the high heavens for two years now, three years, four years now. <sighs> They're trying to destroy the United States culturally, militarily, economically, spiritually, morally, legally, yep. all of it. Every angle is being attacked. Every, every institution is being attacked at, at the same time. And that's what we're all feeling. That's why we're all, we all feel like we're going nuts. And that's why, nothing make, that's why everything hurts and nothing makes sense in the immortal words of Carrie Fisher. I was in the payment expansion of mind reduction and and what I got was pain expansion and mind reduction. Everything hurts and nothing makes sense. Sure. Right. So, like, I, this is what I'm seeing at this, you know, and it's clear that there are counter revolutionary forces go, putting a block on saying, nope, can't have First Republic Bank, no CT3. Um, no, Lagarde, we're not going to coordinate monetary policy for climate change, no euro dollars for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, the Powell's out there like the soup Nazi. No euro dollars for you. Like right. you know, this is these are the memes that I've been putting out into the into the world to try and get people to just. These are the primitives. Like these are the foundational building blocks for how to see the world. And then once you see it that way, oh, it's really easy to parse what's coming next, and you can see what their counter moves are going to be. So, you know what's going to be interesting is is what the reaction from at least more than half of the country in terms of. Um, the election results because if they you know we both know that they want biden that's a little golden decrepit boy that they want their little puppet yeah. 
And what's going to be the response from the red states? Who know right. that, hey, hey, we've seen it again. Well, look, 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 Davos wants the United States to split apart. They want, they're, they're goading us in the Civil War. We have to say no to that. Correct. That's the problem. They, that's what they're, that's what they're yeah, setting up. Man, it's, you know, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's been the Hobson's choice. So in Ukraine, your Hobson's choice is um, destroy Russia or World War III. Yeah. And in the United States, it's civil war or, you know, or pedophilia. Institutionalized pedophilia. Civil war pedophilia. Good God. Yeah. Like, this is what they're like putting in front of us. And you wonder why everybody's going, no, no. So the, the, the thing to do is to not get gaslit. We realize that, one, we're being gaslit by morons. They are morons. These people are not smart. They're not they, smart they, 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 should have, they, they should have folded this hand two years ago. Correct. You're, you're, you, you're, you played your suit of connectors. The flop came down a set of aces for the Fed. You know they've got a set of aces. You know that you got a rainbow flop. You got a rainbow flop. You don't. Your flush draw is crap. You're busted, and you're just sitting there refusing to show your whole cards at the river. Yeah. And that's where we are. Well, the Fed's sitting there going, "I got a set. What do you got?" No, okay, fine. You're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna show your whole cards, 25 basis points. Not gonna show your whole cards, 25 basis points. Mm. That's that's the way this has been running since February. This is the this is getting real critical. This debt ceiling fight going into August is everything, man. This is the canary in the coal mine. Bingo. That's why and I and I think Ooh. it's completely different than every other debt ceiling fight we've ever had right. because right. fiscal conservatives control the marginal vote in the house. They only have with, with with the Republicans only having a four seat majority, the the five six seven eight the hardcore fiscal conservatives can destroy McCarthy's speakership. See when they when the Republicans tried this under Gingrich, they had a massive majority. Yeah, the twenty fiscal the fifteen twenty fiscal conservatives got drowned out by the other thirty rhinos who wanted to who wanted to go for the unipolar moment. Yeah, and you know. And give Clinton a blank check to, to you know, in, invade Bosnia, bomb the the Serbs, and all the rest of this stuff. So Gingrich got destroyed in that fight. In this fight, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Thomas Massey, yeah. they have all the power. Because all they have to do is say, nope, no, voted no confidence against the Speaker. I got we got six people against. Get rid of get rid of McCarthy. Get rid yeah, of they him. got they got, they got McCarthy by the nut hairs, man. Yes. By the short and curlies. Absolutely. Yeah. No 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 doubt. And he knows it. Yeah. And so he's playing that hand that he's got. And now I got now let's bake your noodle a little farther. What if and we you know going into this, we all said this was clearly the guy that Davos wanted to be in power in the House for the Republicans, because he's a good California Democrat. What if the stack of Manila folders on his on Jamie Dimon's side of the desk versus Davos' side of the desk is is now taller, right? It's not taller. This is Dimon's stack or the Fed stack, and this is Davos' stack. Now all of a sudden McCarthy is yours. Mm. The guy they can't shake free yet is Chuck Schumer. That's the guy holding all of this up. And Schumer understands that if he flips, he will be killed in 20 minutes. He'll yeah. be thrown down the stairs or whatever. He'll show, up in, he'll show up in the Senate with a black eye. Yeah. You know, you know how this is going to work. 
Like he yeah, fell fall. off the bicycle. Yeah, and like Harry Reid broke his arm, and you know Mitch McConnell and John Roberts and all the rest of them. Whenever they, so like, but at the end of the day, the question now is who's going to throw whom down the stairs? Because this time it may not be Davos. This time it may literally be Jamie Dimon. Needs to happen fast, man. We're, we're, mission critical time. I know. I know. I I I've tried this to is it, all it, the marbles, it, bro. I yeah. Holy this shit. is for every. This is for everything. Whew. Brother. I'm glad you see it that way, Bree. Bri, because, because you know, very few. You know, when I explain it this yeah. way, like it's not, you know, it's like, oh, okay, Tom, that's really interesting. But you, I knew you would get it if I laid it out like this, because you're already three quarters of the way there. So, Shit. yeah. Oh man, unbelievable. So take that back to your hedge fund friends, and then run that yeah. up the vine. But yeah, there are people out there who get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is. A- I had a. Um, I had a. It was it was funny. I had a I have another you know again I have over three thousand patrons on the, which I'm not bragging about. I'm just I have a now a nice, really large community, and within that community, I now interact with people who are you know professionals. You know I've got professionals in there, and 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 they they turned to me and said they they said to me one of them said to me recently like Tom I was talking to a you know a, I talked to you about you before I became a patron about a, a friend of mine with a friend of mine who's a a, a banker you know way up there. Uh, a couple of years ago, and and I he's like, and I tentatively laid out the whole Fed versus Davos thing, blah blah blah. And he's like, your friend is very well informed, hmm. and the guy's he's like, that guy's very well informed. I said, I I looked at that one. And said, I didn't. I'm not informed by anybody. Yeah. I just put the I just put the new I just put the tea leaves together. Yeah, you you're, you're like me. You're, you're, you're like a, like a like a ruminator. This stuff it's like the hmm. beautiful mind. I get look at data, and all of a sudden. It's in front of our eyes. We and I could piece it together strategically, right. and there it is, bang. Right, but you have to know which frame. You have to know the. Frame. To you have to know which frame to apply at what moment in time, your, and that's the hard part. Your piece of data on the on the on the CFI and BlackRock mm-hmm. and the debt ceiling that is critical. That is critical. Now I'm going to fly that up the flagpole, and you and I are going to be talking. This is getting scary, Tom. It is getting very scary. It's getting very scary. Okay. Brother, we're, we're um, at the end of the show. Uh, sounds good. No. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was been, been great as always, and we'll do it again in a couple of months. And, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, n- there, there won't be a flash and we need to, like, SPF 550,000. That's all I'm caring about, you know. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you, or you and I could be live. There could be a flash, and next you know, you and I were in yeah, white rooms. Uh, what happened to the what happened to the feed? Ah! I'm like strumming a hop. Bring, bring. Hey, Tom, Oops. where are we? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's all good. V, you take care. You have a great day now, man. We'll talk. Thank you all for listening all right. in. Check out Tom's website. Links are in the description box. Cheers. Cheers.